In the name of the one living God, amen. Amen. Once upon a time, an ancient story tells us, the master had a visitor who came to inquire about Zen. But instead of listening, the visitor kept talking about his own concerns and giving his own thoughts. After a while, the master served tea. He poured tea into the visitor's cup until it was full, and then he kept on pouring and pouring and pouring. Finally, the visitor couldn't stand it any longer. Can't you see that my cup is full, he said? It's not possible for you to get any more in it. Just so, the master said, stopping at last. And like this cup, you are filled with your own ideas. How can you expect me to give you Zen unless you first empty your cup? <clears throat> I remember <clears throat> excuse me, I remember this little story when I was thinking about a sermon today. In this very familiar gospel passage, one of the longest encounters with an individual, Jesus passes through Samaria on his way to Galilee. Exhausted in the heat of the noonday sun, and while his disciples go on to get provisions, he stops at a well where hundreds of years before Jacob had watered his flocks. While Jesus was resting there alone, A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Her cup was empty. In the ensuing exchange, he asked her for a drink of the water she was drawing, not something appropriate for a Jew to ask of a Samaritan, especially a woman, as their two lands had a long history of hatred and mistrust. The woman who came to the well that day was a shadow of what God created her to be. She'd been used by men and abused by the so-called righteous women of the village who really berated her self-esteem. It was customary for, for women to go to the well in groups, but when everyone else was sitting in the shade that day, she came alone to avoid the scornful glances and the sharp words, lugging a huge water jar and then carrying it home full of water was hard work in the middle of the day, but it was certainly preferred to the abuse she would receive from the villagers. Little did she know that the visit to the well would change her life. There she met a man who was different from absolutely everybody else, Someone who didn't avoid her, ignore her, or speak unkindly to her. In fact, Jesus affirms her by being willing to accept a drink from her. She supposes that Jesus was talking about her kind of water, only perhaps made easier to get. She didn't understand yet that he was speaking of another kind of water, the water he could give to those souls who were thirsty for God, even though they didn't know it. He saw her as she was, obviously unhappy, and he pitied her. 
She'd had a hard life, and there were things about which, of which made her ashamed. As her dialogue progressed, she became intrigued with the idea of a drink that permanently quenches thirst. Jesus finally asks her a question that leads her to fess up and admit her need. She is thirsty for love. Jesus invites her not to be defined by her circumstances and offers her an identity that lifts her above her tragedy. He doesn't condemn her marital situation. This is not a story about morality. The meeting of Jesus and the unnamed Samaritan woman at the well is a love story. The story of the transforming power of God's love and the capacity to receive it and to live into a new identity. In this story, Jesus breaks down the barriers of culture and gender, religion and ethnicity. He treats the woman with dignity and respect, enabling her to be transformed and to find her new identity as a beloved child of God. He discloses that God is an unbounded lover. I believe that's the overriding message at Jacob's Well on that hot noonday meeting. At this refueling station, Jesus initiates contact with the woman who is still a sinner. Her married life was nearly as checkered as Elizabeth Taylor's. And yet, he asks her for a drink of water. You see, the gospel of Jesus lives and moves and has its being independent of human righteousness. The love of God is as unmotivated and undeserved as the sunrise, and it goes out to everyone. Maybe sinners are the only ones who get it. I think this encounter between Jesus and the unnamed woman offers something of an icon of the season of Lent and the invitation that it extends to us. If we Episcopalians take Lent seriously and allow the gospel to touch our lives in more than in a superficial way, then we are called to self-examine the ways in which we separate ourselves from God to discover what it is that we thirst for, and to address the most crucial issues of how we can live as God's beloved. If we give ourselves to a daily practice, if we keep taking our empty cup to the source, even when we feel uninspired, or the well seems empty, or the journey is boring, if we walk with an openness to what might be waiting for us in the repetition and rhythm of our daily routines, we may suddenly find ourselves swimming in the grace and love of God that goes deeper than any well that we can imagine. In reality, like the Samaritan woman, may at times we find ourselves seeking water that doesn't quite satisfy us. There are the more obvious ways of alcoholism, overeating, and other means of addiction. 
We may take long drinks in the pool of work and busyness, only to find ourselves suddenly in the desert of neglecting our health, our families and relationships with the rest of humanity, or even worse, neglecting God. Some may come to dip their buckets in the well of prosperity, only to discover that we are in the wilderness of self-serving righteousness or in the wasteland of social pride. Jesus responds to the woman, Those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. He's also speaking to us. No one is outside the reach of God's love. Here in our own community, we're experiencing the possibility of a water drought. Maybe it can serve as a reminder to those who might be experiencing a soul drought. When the spirit and truth of the living water of Jesus is what we hope for most, to drink into our lives the ever-clear, ever-moving, ever-cleansing water of the Holy Spirit, to be carried along in the current of God's love that Jesus gives to us, even if we don't know where it's taking us. You see, if we cease to experience the living water of the Spirit, it may very well seem that God is dead, but it may be our own dry, barren souls that have become like wells boarded over. It's then that we are impelled to look within. No one would argue that we need water. No matter what medical attention we need, the advice usually includes drink lots of water. Few and far between nowadays are people who aren't carrying a bottle of water around with them. Our bodies need water to survive And so do our souls, living water. So we might well ask, how do we experience this fountain of living water? Well, there are many ways, of course, and many reminders. But right here, each time we celebrate this Holy Communion, when everyone present is included and invited to receive the body and blood of Christ, We are called in our prayers and in our worship to examine the cups we bring with us, to see if they are already full of our own thoughts and prejudices, and then to ask ourselves, do we give Jesus any room to fill us up with the water that gushes up to eternal life? As the priest begins the Eucharistic prayer by saying, lift up your hearts, we respond. <laughs> lift up your hearts. Yes. We lift up our empty cups to be filled up by God who keeps on pouring and pouring and pouring. 
It is an act of surrender. In this simple but powerful experience, the reservoir of living water gets opened. The flow follows and we worship in spirit and truth. Whenever and wherever you find yourself, in any and all kinds of circumstances, lift up your hearts. When our hearts are centered in the world, they dry up. When our hearts are lifted up to the Lord, the waters of baptism can run their course through our veins and ultimately flow out into a waterless, parched world. Amen.